Welcome to my grind. The year is 2018 and a 35-year-old man finds his passion. This is my story. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to welcome you back or for your first time. Hello. And it's going to sound weird that I'm saying welcome back as this is going to show up on your end as episode one. Um, I've actually decided to kind of re start my podcast reason being when I started this out I, I told you guys I'd be doing a it's my coffee pot beeping at us delicious coffee anyway <laughs> I told you guys I'd be documenting my journey and and so far I think what I've been doing is is more of just giving advice which I mean is is okay I guess but that's kind of all I've been doing so we're going to start over hi my name is Robert Swanger and right now I am an aspiring graphic artist, graphic designer, graphic, whatever you might want to call me. Um, I'm going to school at Full Sail. I'm about a year in. I've, I'm loving it, to be honest. Uh, I, I get pretty good grades if I might want to toot my own horn, but in the entrepreneurial world, that doesn't really mean anything. So take it as you will. I'm still proud of it because it's the first time I've ever gotten good grades. So, there's that. Um, a little bit about me uh, in the past. I grew up, um, I was adopted, right? So, I was adopted when I was two. Uh, the family I was adopted to adopted me so that they could adopt my little brother. I also said adopt about five times in that, like, ten seconds. Uh, so, they, and... <sighs> I don't like to bring it up. I don't like to talk about it. And this is kind of the reason why I think the last uh, series I was doing was more along the lines of advice, because it, it really is hard to talk about, you know, my past and myself even. Like, I, I just, it may seem like I like doing it at times, but you, if you really l listen, you'll notice that I touch on certain subjects and then I quickly move to something else. Like. It's almost like I show it to you to kind of like prove a point and then I just tuck it away before you have time to to dig in uh, and I'm doing it right now. So <laughs> I need to stop doing that. Uh, so yeah, they they adopted me so they could adopt my little brother. Um, to be honest, I was treated like crap. Um, the, the way things were in the house was if you were the oldest, then everything was your fault. Um, unless you're my older sister for some reason. She was allowed to do whatever she wanted and by that it, I don't mean that in like the childish way I mean she was allowed to abandon her child uh, with my mother disappear for about 10 years and then come back and still be in good graces uh, whereas I was just kind of alive and they hated me so that was fun uh, used to get locked in closets uh, locked in the basement at night at one point, there was a, since it was a foster home, uh, there was a young person who came in and uh, molested me. So that was cool. Um, wasn't allowed to leave the house, like unless it was to go to school. I had a, a real good friend who lived like two houses down and uh, you know, we weren't allowed to visit. Like I was very, like I was, I was locked in. It, it was strange, but but the whole city loved my family. They loved my mom and my dad. And I don't want it to sound like they were just terrible people because they weren't. They were just terrible to me. 
when it came to everyone else, like life was great. And so after, after, you know, going through that for a while, like, you know, not having birthdays, like they stopped celebrating my birthday when I was about uh, 11, 11 or 12. Um, Christmas was like, I'd get one gift and then they used to run a, a gas station and they, you know, my, my family wasn't poor by any means. Uh, but like, I lived like I was poor because no one ever bought me shit and <laughs> everyone else was bought stuff while I sat there and watched. Uh, and it, you know, I built up a lot of resentment, a lot of things that I, I still hold on to today. And, you know, as a 35 year old looking back and being like, well, my mom was mean to me. Like, I don't get it. I'm, I'm a very logical individual or I try to be. Um, I've been through a lot worse things in my life than what happened during my childhood. So to me, I, I really feel like holding on to things that happened to me as a child is, is stupid. And I don't, I don't understand why uh, I do it, but it molded me, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, where was I? Let's see, I got locked in a closet or in a basement. And anyway, I, I don't remember where I was at, but so bad things happened in my younger years. And then at about 15, I was kicked out because I went for a walk because I was angry. Uh, I had originally packed a bag because I was going to run away, which I had done in the past, but she always found me because everybody in town loved her and didn't believe me. <laughs> so fun. Uh, but I'd packed a bag and then I said, you know what? This is stupid. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to act more like an adult. And if you could hear that, that was my reminder to do one hand lettering piece. We'll talk about those alerts later. Um, but yeah, so I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to act more like an adult about this. And I went for a walk to calm down and to kind of just get my bearings before I confronted this thing. My brother's wife at the time seen me walking through town and said, Hey, you should head back home. Your mother, uh, she misses you. She wants you to come back. And I was like, I was just going for a walk at, you know, I, I didn't like leave. I just, you know, I'd been gone for maybe an hour and I'm surprised they noticed because, you know, I was always locked in the basement. So maybe they'd come down to, to poke me with a stick or something and realized I wasn't there. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so I, I'm making a joke because this is like one of the most fucked up parts of my life. Like, and this, you know, involves the you know being molested like so i get home and like my whole family sitting there all my brothers like i've got a very large family and most of them obviously don't live at home anymore because i was the oldest um well in the home anyway so i come home and everyone's sitting there and my mother throws a bag at me asks me how dare you show your face in this house again uh, my two brothers are sitting there shaking their heads. One of them is like, I, I, you know, just looks at me and says, I, I can't believe what you're doing to my mother and how unfair this is. And me being me, I had finally had enough. And I said something along the lines of unfair. What the fuck do you mean? And I got punched in the face for swearing in front of my mother uh, on the way out the door because she told me to leave and never come back. You know, I'm, I'm a, like a 15 year old kid and I'm just bawling because I don't understand. Like, 
to this day, I, I still don't understand. I still have dreams where they're just like doing things that just don't make any sense to me. Like, I don't get it. Um, so I'm, I'm on my way out, out the door crying and my other brother comes out, lifts me off the ground with one hand, slams me against his truck, uh, starts threatening me, telling me that if I ever show my face around here again, you know, the things he's going to do. The only thing I've ever done in my life, uh, as, as a child was just like have an opinion I was, I was stubborn I was trying to make sense of everything uh, because my whole life apparently no one cared and that reflected in school I thought everyone hated me even my friends I thought that I was just the tag along whether that was the truth or not I still hold on to this where like when I'm a, amongst a group of people I feel like I'm the odd one out whether everyone is there for me like it could be my birthday which I, I don't think I've celebrated my birthday in years unless I was paying for it. Uh, so that's fun. But ultimately, like anytime something is going on, I'm always like, I've just always had that feeling like I don't belong here. You know, these are your guys' friends. This is, you know, you guys deserve this level of happiness. Like I don't, I don't belong in a situation like this. Why, you know, why would you invite me in? And, and it's terrible. So yeah, there's that's my my childhood. That's <laughs> uh, it's all just being brushed upon, you know. This is a fun conversation we're having, and then so after that, uh, one of my brothers picked me up as I left. He gave me a place to stay. He knew a guy in a nearby town that would hook me up and give me a job. Um, so I started working. I quit school and. I started working for Bob. Bob is one of the greatest guys I've ever known because at one point, shortly after getting that job there, um, pretty much I was just like sweeping floors. Bob would like teach me, you know, think little things about mechanics. You know, it was a mechanic shop. And so like he really took me under his wing and he was teaching me all these things and it was great. Um, the, the home life, again, my mother shows up and tells my brother you know that I need to leave that it's not right that I'm around those kids and everyone including myself is like what the fuck does that mean around those kids what do those kids have to do with anything and she then tells them that I've been molesting the family members which it's sad that I even need to clarify this it's obviously not true but that was the story she told and a parent anyone being a good parent would do what my brother and his wife did uh, he apologized sincerely and he just let me know he goes I don't believe what she told me but my wife doesn't want you around the kids just in case and I also feel that just in case it's probably for the best so I leave officially homeless at 15 years old and I'm still working at that shop I was living in an alley like I would just kind of sleep where I could uh, and then after about a week of doing that I got lucky and Bob 
found out some, I mean, it was a small town. It probably wasn't hard to figure out that I was sleeping in an alley. But Bob follows me for a little while and he pulls over and he says, hey, where are you going? And I say, hey, I'm going home. <laughs> and so like, this goes back and forth for a little while until finally he's like, you're just gonna shut the fuck up, stop lying to me and get in the truck. I have a room upstairs. You're going to sleep in it. You're going to work for me. That will be your rent. And that'll be that. And, you know, I stayed with Bob for a couple years, I want to say. Um, some of the best times of my life. Like, I actually felt like I had a family. And if Bob is listening to this by, you know, in some way, I, I want to thank you. Because even though I don't come around and I don't talk a whole lot now, uh, it doesn't mean that I, I don't miss or care about you guys. It's just that I don't know how to react still to this day. I don't know how to be around people. Uh, I actually haven't left my house to go to like, you know, major things like go hang out with people for probably over a year. Uh, I go to like the grocery store, take my son to school. That's about it. Sometimes I go to the gas station, get a pack of cigarettes. Um, but I think that's more along the lines of my anxiety and the depression have had been getting completely out of control. Um, but I had to change the subject because I was tearing up. <laughs> um, but no, Bob, Bob is a great guy. I've, I've seen him do it to many people where he'll almost literally give the shirt off his back to help someone. He just asks for a little, you know, a little bit of work in return. Like he doesn't give things for free, but he doesn't make it hard to receive these things either. He's not asking for a million dollars or to pay back any money. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear this beeping, but I have Discord and it's just going insane. Even though all the channels are muted, it shows me the alerts anyway. Fun. Uh, but yeah, he he's. He's just a really good guy. Like he's been there. He's he was the par parental figure that I had um, for a while. I I was staying with Bob. Yeah, it, it had been about three or four years then because my mom passed away when I was still working there. Um, he came up. Uh, we were working on a truck, and he says, "Hey, you live. Uh, your mom lives in Logan, right?" And I say, "Yeah." And he gives me an address and he says, the ambulance just went to this house. Is that you? And it was, it was my mother. Uh, she'd been hiding that she had cancer for several years. Um, so I get there and I find out that, you know, he's, or she, sorry, she's at the uh, hospital, probably dying from cancer. And even though she treated me like shit, and I really didn't have any reason to care. I mean, I did, but at the same time, you know, like when someone treats you like that, you just like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, but like, I wanted her to accept me even up until the end. And I think that's what drove it was. I just wanted her to look at me and say, Hey, I love you. Two words, three words that she's never said to me. Oh. I stand corrected. There was one time when uh, I was crying because of how terrible of a person I was at the age of 10. And then she told me she loved me. The one time in my entire fucking life. 
So anyway, it's a touchy subject. That's why I don't go into this stuff, but here we are. We're laying it out here. I don't enjoy this in any way. <laughs> really don't. But in the form of documentation, here we are. Um, so I go to the hospital and my brothers bar the entrance saying, we're going through a hard time right now. We don't need you to fuck it up. Uh, so me being me and not wanting to continue causing the problem, uh, I left. I visited the house about a week later when no one was around and talked to my mother for a little bit where she asked me where my mother was and made the comment to dad later about how she must be pretty bad if she doesn't remember who I am or her relationship to me. And he goes, no, that's not it. And walks off and I was like, cool. So that was fun. Uh, and then after a about a week, two weeks, she passed. I've sat in a church at her funeral by myself while I watched the rest of the family being family members to each other. Uh, and uh, that's that part of my life. Super fun to rehash and bring back up. Uh, I then joined the military about, it was a couple years later, like, uh, things got worse. I got really stubborn and I, I didn't think I needed Bob's help and I thought I could handle everything on my own. So I went, I got an apartment, had a shitty job selling cars. And then like a dumbass, I quit the job without having another source of income. Uh, I lost my house and then I made myself homeless again, uh, at one point, oh, sorry, before my mom passed away, I met my biological mother. Um, I lived with her for a little while at one point. Uh, it didn't work at all. And uh, yeah, okay, so that happened. And then my mother passed away. And then I moved out. Here we are. Okay, so I end up homeless and I say to my mother, hey, I don't have a place to live. And she just says, well, there's no room here. So <laughs> you got to find somewhere else to stay. And so I did. And that's when I joined the army, because at that point in my life, I'd given up. I hated everything. I hated everything about myself. I hated everyone in my life because as outside of Bob, like I could have went to Bob and said, hey, Bob, but because I had turned him down at one point, I didn't feel it was right. Uh, pride. Boys and girls, pride. It'll kill you. But, so I joined the military, and I actually lived with my recruiter until I shipped out a couple weeks later. Um, my intentions were to go fight a war, die in a war, and have people respect my dead body. <laughs> it makes sense. No sense, but that was the thought. Uh, the army went fairly well. I came back from Iraq in 2016. Yes, 2016. It was like November, December. I 
was offered to be promoted to sergeant, so I started studying for the board. And because of the things that happened in Iraq, um, I started thinking about it. And it freaked me out that I would be in charge of where people would stand and like people's lives were going to be in my hands. And even though being in the military was something that I was good at, um, I doubted myself. I've always, I've always doubted myself when I find out I'm good at something like, because it's just too easy. And I know that sounds crazy to say about being in the infantry. Like it's too easy to be shot at and to get, you know, to be blown up and stuff like that. But it fucking is, uh, for someone like me, fighting in a war is not difficult. It makes sense. It's all logical. I mean, I don't understand why we were fighting or any of that, but I understand that if you get shot at, you should shoot back. That that guy's the bad guy. I'm not brainwashing. I am fully aware, but still, it's easy to fall into that. And so when I came back and they offered me that position at first, I was like, yes, yes, I will happily do this because Sergeant Sanchez uh, was my second father figure in my life who even though I'm pretty sure we hated each other we still had that immense level of respect for one another because he would be an asshole and I wouldn't deal with it and even though I didn't deal with it very well I would still take the punishment I may be talking shit the entire time I'm doing push-ups but that was the way it was I knew that my words had consequences and my actions had consequences and I would make the decision on my own. And if I didn't think something was right and I knew that, that by saying so, it would reward me consequences, uh, I would take them and I would then say something. And that was why he offered me the position to be one of his team leaders. Uh, the thought was overbearing, overwhelming. There we go. Overwhelming is the word I was looking for simply because I didn't want to be in charge of someone else's life. I didn't think I could do it. So I went AWOL. Uh, one night I got really drunk and like a dumbass, I let my emotions take over. And by the time I became aware of where I was, I was halfway home. So I just continued to go home. And then I, after a year of being scared, two years, sorry, two years of hiding in my own fucking fear like an idiot, I tried to turn myself in. The pro provost marshal's office didn't have any record of there being a warrant or anything for my arrest or my AWOL status and uh, told me to go home, so I did. And then two years after that, the police came knocking at my door because the government had a warrant for my arrest. I sat in uh, county jail for about a month waiting for the government to pick me up and do what they would. Where they uh, pretty much two recruiters just dropped me off at an airport. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then I spent another year and a half in Colorado waiting for the you know the hearing and all that so i pretty much i put the uniform back on and i was 
you know, back to training. I was back to being a specialist. I was back in the army, which wasn't something uh, I enjoyed, but it was something that needed to be done. Uh, they gave me 30 days, um, hard labor. The people overwatching it found out about my, my record uh, from Iraq and decided that they didn't think I needed to do hard labor, so they did everything they could to keep it easy, which is much appreciated. Um, I did deserve the punishment, though, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and now I'm out, so, you know, that's been several years. It's been, shit, seven years since any of that's happened. But over those years, um, having gone AWOL was easily one of the biggest mistakes of my life. It is one of the biggest things that I looked down on because people relied on me. Uh, this wasn't like pushing fucking papers and feeding people in a chow line. Like, people could have died because I wasn't there. And luckily no one did. But it's still one of the biggest things that I look back on and wish I had never done. Because those were my brothers. And I walked out on them because I was afraid. Um, I should have trusted my NCO who was going to appoint me to the NCO status. Uh, I should have trusted that he knew what he was seeing and and I knew what I was doing because I did. To this day, I can clear a house within fuck, a minute. I still have the, I have pretty quick reflexes. Like there's just some things that don't go away. But anyway, I don't want to get into that because it's fucking weird. Um, but ultimately, you know, all those things stuck around, and in the end, after going AWOL and showing myself how big of a pussy I am, uh, I've made some changes in my life. And I've started going after things that I want, um, doing things that are outside of my comfort zone. And one of those things was streaming. So like, well here, let's, let's step back, because I'm skipping a big part, a huge part. Um, five years ago, I had a beautiful little boy. My son's mom. Uh, she left six months later, which was devastating because I love my son. I, I loved him more than anything and I would do anything. I was working 12 hours a day to keep food on the table and to support, you know, two other human beings when I didn't think I could support myself. But I did it. You know, I, I kept going. And because I was gone all the time, and because I didn't spend enough time with my son, uh, because I was at work, she left. Uh, also, because, you know, her ex that she'd been fucking behind my back apparently said the right things. I find out that, you know, during our entire relationship, she'd been fucking somebody else. So that was cool. Candace, you fucking suck. Uh, but you made a beautiful baby. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, and then a couple, well, about a year and a half after he was born, so a year after she left, she's dating this guy, George, who beat my son. Uh, she defends him. There was, like, visible handprint bruises down both of his fucking legs because Jack kicked his legs while being changed. And 
Mr. George decides that uh, that's not how a child should behave. So he fucking beat my son. We're not going to speak about how that made me feel when I found out about it because it should be pretty freaking obvious. Um, also because I don't know. I don't know. If I ever ran into him, I don't know what I would do and I don't want to have it on <laughs> video or voice recording for me discussing that. To this day, it still pisses me off that anyone would touch my son. Um, they, the court put him in full or in, in protective custody after about two months, I was able to get him into my custody because I lived in the neighboring state. Um, the city she lived in and the city I live in are pretty much the same city. There's a river in between, which happens to be a state line. Um, so after explaining to them very clearly that if I had ever had any intentions of kidnapping my son, I would have done so already. I would not do it when I'm in the process of actually getting full custody or getting my rights. Um, during the time she had my son, I was not allowed to see him most of the time. I would go months upon months without seeing him. She seems to think that that never happened, but it did. I have evidence of it. It's childish that I'm even going to continue talking. So I'm going to stop talking about that. But in the meeting we had with the county attorney and child protective services and everybody, all the all the people who look after your child when someone else isn't. Um, I told her, I know that you didn't let me see my son when I or when you had him, but I will not do that to you because no matter how I feel about you and no matter how much I despise you, my son still has a right to see his mother. Everyone thought that was great. I didn't give a shit. I was doing what was best for my child. She, on the other hand, as soon as papers were filed, left. Disappeared. Still to this day wants to blame me, her mother, her sister, and everyone else for it, when the fact of the reality is she left. I ended up with full custody of my son, and ever since then, it has been the best of times. <laughs> um, there's been minor uh, moments, and then recently, like kind of, I guess as time went on, uh, I don't know if it was like the PTSD or just depression, a combination of the two, but like I started developing anxiety and uh, as of about three weeks ago, it had gotten very bad. I was streaming on Twitch, you know, YouTube, uh, doing, you know, whatever. And the depression hit like an all time low, like I'd never felt this depressed and I didn't I couldn't understand why I couldn't control it. There was nothing I could do to fix it. Um, so I started seeing a therapist, the van broke down, so I was unable to get to the therapist, which was cool. Um, and then I downloaded Gary Vee's book, Crush It, and well, I got it on Audible, but I was listening to it and something clicked. Like what he was talking about with, you know, starting a business and social media and how anything, if it's your dream is marketable, you know, given enough time. It, it just like the way he explained it, it, it clicked. And so I stopped streaming. I stopped doing everything. I've, I've been going to school um, at Full Sail, like I said, for about a year now. And I've loved graphic design. 
doing the YouTube and the Twitch channels, helping other people with their, you know, their emotes and graphics and everything. Like I really enjoyed it. And that was when I realized, you know what, I'm going to start really taking this seriously. Stop with the Twitch streaming, which is just bringing me down and start doing something I love. And so what I do now is I network with other people, um, anyone, anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter what level you're, you're at in your career or your life. I want to talk to you. I want to do what I can to help. Um, I want to guide you with what I've learned. Um, and, you know, even if part of that's just giving advice, like little, you know, hey, you're having a hard time doing this, blah, blah, blah. How about, what? you know, what if you tried this? Or just kind of talking you through it because sometimes it's just a matter of perspective. Like there's a lot of different things. Um, but either way, you know, I'm, I'm having the best time of my life. I have legitimately been the happiest I've ever been since the, the moment I seen my son being born. Like, not the crowning. That was not the happiest moment of my life. Seeing my son's head poking out of that was horrifying. <laughs> Put it out there. But when he was actually in my arms for the first time, that was the greatest moment of my life, period. And Jackson, if you're ever listening to this, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, or after I'm passing, you mean the world to me. I will do anything and everything I possibly can to help you achieve your dreams and your goals and to help you have a life that I never did. I love you more than anything on this planet and nothing will get in the way of me helping you fulfill those dreams. That is my dream, okay? Son, you're, you're more to me than anything, okay? But yes, yes, so uh, going back to where we are now, um, I've been I've been ecstatic. Life has been good. And it's all because I'm actually pursuing my dreams. Now, I'm lucky that my dream is something I can sell. Like, it's, it's a good, it's a service that I can actually sell. So that, that does help. Um, but if you guys have a dream and it's not something where it's lucky like that, keep chasing it anyway your mood is going to be improved so far beyond it you may start looking at other opportunities maybe they're not exactly chasing your dream but if you have your dream on the side and you're physically pursuing it daily and then you have that side thing that you're doing or your main thing whichever it, it is at the time you're probably going to have more fun maybe you're going to open your mind to an opportunity like I'm actually thinking about getting into uh, day trading, not all the time, but you know, I have I have some serious money to save up to get into it. But you know, it, it's little things like this that I think will change inside a person once they're legitimately happy. So keep that in mind. Um, and on that note, we're going to end it here, guys, gals. If you want to keep following the journey, um, the next episode is going to be a little bit more of what I'm actually doing since, you know, two weeks ago, like what have I, you know, what steps have I taken, where am I at, how am I feeling, you know, how's life been, um, so keep in mind, or, you know, keep, keep following, if you guys want to, uh, keep
keep up on that. You can check me out on Twitch or Twitter, sorry, at Twitter at MyGrind4, the number four. And you can also follow me along on Instagram where I post most of my art and things like that. I'm going to start doing a daily hand lettering thing because I need to get good at that. And then I might do a lo like a logo challenge as well, depending on how much work I actually have. Uh, right now I've got like four or five jobs I'm working on, so I don't know. But either way, follow me along on Instagram at mygrind2018. Um, yeah, pretty soon there'll be a website coming along. There's going to be, it'll have my portfolio. Everything will be in one centralized location, which will be nice, but uh, that's still in the planning and creation phases. So thank you guys again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, from here on out, I'm going to, I might have like towards the end, like a moment where I give some advice or I give my thoughts, but I'm definitely going to be sticking towards the, uh, the, the documenting and just going over my day to day. So thank you guys. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Bye.